Every aspect of your e-commerce business impacts customer experience. From advertising and packaging, to product functionality, website usability, and even reliability. Your long-term growth and profitability will hinge on your ability to deliver the best experience for your buyers. And this podcast will show you how. Tune in monthly for actionable and insightful discussions with the brightest minds at the intersection of e-commerce and customer experience. Welcome to the e-commerce customer experience podcast presented by Digital Genius. I'm your host, Chris Kellner. It's time for another episode of the e-commerce customer experience podcast. Last time around, we had Lee Rocket on the podcast to talk about how properly trained and empowered team members can lead to successful CX. My guest today is to talk about CX scaling and CX communities in Christy Falteruso, Chief Customer Officer at Client Success, a leading customer success management solution. Welcome to the show, Christy. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me today. We're very happy to have you. So, Christy, maybe just to kick things off, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned, Christy Feltrue, so I'm currently the Chief Customer Officer at Client Success. We're a customer success management solution. But I've spent the past 20 years, uh, as I think about my career, breaking it down into Act 1 and Act 2. So I spent the first decade of my professional career in marketing with a, a very heavy focus on digital marketing. So search engine optimization, paid advertising, affiliate marketing, email marketing, kind of all online acquisition. And during my time in marketing, I started using a software called Bright Edge to help with our search engine optimization and use them at two different companies, had tremendous success, and eventually said to them, hey, if you guys ever open an office in New York, let me know and then hire me. And they did, and they did. And so that's how I was able to parlay my experience in marketing into customer success. And, you know, for the last 10 years, almost 11 years now, I've been working with companies, usually hyper-growth B2B SaaS organizations to build, scale, or transform their customer success organizations. That's all given me tremendous experience to do what I do today in my current role because we work with customer success teams. So I get to use my experience and my I think a bit of my journey to lean in and supporting our customers and helping ensure they're successful with our technology. That's, that's very cool. And, and it's a really kind of pertinent topic that we often talk about on this podcast of kind of young companies scaling and, and how do they do it really well from a customer experience standpoint. So I'd love to kind of kind of work backwards. And you know, could you, if you were kind of talking to a you know hyper growth company, as you say, you know, what would you kind of talk about the groundwork that would need to be put in place to make sure, you know, before you start scaling? So for us, it's a lot about the foundational elements of it, which is really starting to understand what your customers actually need and want. It's ironic to see how many companies start with a very uh, internally focused, structured program where they design things based off of rigid processes and, and things that help them check boxes, as opposed to figuring out, well, what do your customers actually need and then how can you deliver that? So for me, a lot of this is about you know exploring conversations with customers and really leaning into what they're trying to accomplish with your technology and then designing paths on how how they can get there. So everything that we do starts with a designed customer lifecycle, which helps us orchestrate that entire motion with how your customers start with you and how they continue that journey. From there, it's a lot about building processes, right? And the idea of scale at some point is that you can exponentially move quicker through those processes with proper frameworks or thinking about how you can introduce automation or one-to-many, right? All those different concepts there. But for us, it's really about putting the foundational elements of 
people, processes, and products in place to help ensure that you can build a program that is eventually scalable. Okay, interesting. And what would you say is the hardest part? All of that. There, there's no easy part of that. I think the hardest part is if you are building customer success in an organization that hasn't had it previously, it's really the education and buy-in that's tough. And you'd think that at this point, customer success has been around long enough or at least enough so that people should have a little understanding of what does it mean to focus on customer success or experience. But the reality of it is, you know, sales has been around for a really long time. People understand it. It's transactional. Marketing has been around a long time. It's easy to understand. It's transactional. Customer success still is this like cloudy space for folks who can't wrap their heads around it because it's not always tangible. It's not always tactical. It's not always easy to break down. And so the hardest part for me historically has been getting executive buy-in, getting people to believe that what we're doing actually will yield the results that we're talking about and that we want to get to, understanding that that takes time. It's not like marketing and sales. You can kind of hit a switch, hire a salesperson, give a lead, close a deal. It's a little different. So I think that's the, always the toughest part is getting everyone on the same, in the same boat, rowing in the same direction that this is part of what we need to do. Interesting. And, and it's, it's funny enough, actually, something that we've been hearing for some from some big B2B SaaS organizations right now are thinking of have just got rid of their whole customer success team. And I think one of the maybe the misconceptions is actually how to define what actually customer success means. So we'd love to get your perception on like how do when you say customer success, how do you define that? So is your customers being successful using your product, right? So, and that's going to mean different things to different types of companies, but that's ultimately what customer success is. Having a customer success team is just a conduit to getting to that point, but it's really whatever your product was designed to do. If your customers are able to do that and improve a business outcome as a result of them doing it, that is success. However, it's a lot harder to accomplish than it is to describe. And what would you say to businesses right now who are looking to cut costs, become leaner and thinking like, you know, where did they start? And maybe front of mind might be customer success because maybe their product is very self-service and, and they imagine that a lot of the success can be done without actually needing customer success. You know, sadly, I am having a lot of conversations with companies who have decided to go that way and dissolve their customer success function. But I do think that they're doing so with a lack of understanding of the real value and scope of the work and role. So I do, I foresee that that will impact them negatively in the future, but that's just me. That's my opinion. However, you know, I think the big thing here is if you are part of a CX organization that is being forced to reduce resources, it's about thinking differently. Right. I'll be honest with you, like, you know, our team here at Client Success, we've had to scale back the team. And I'm not trying to get my team to do more with less. Right. I'm really tired of hearing that because it's not possible. How can you possibly do more with less? No, you can do different things with the resources you have. And so for me and the companies that we're advising and working with, it's getting them to think differently about how do we still achieve similar or different outcomes that are going to be impactful to your customers with what you have today. I think that's really where scale starts to come into play is because how do we think about introducing automation, different technology, different processes, different programs? You know, customer success historically has been delivered through this mindset of like, one-to-one communication, right? Like you need one person to speak to another person in order to have that success outcome. And that's just not the reality, right? Like you can have similar impact, leveraging communities, leveraging one-to-many strategies, automation and leveraging technology effectively. So, you know, I think this is where companies need to be thinking differently about 
their business and how they can still operationalize success. Interesting. And you mentioned technology and you mentioned automation. You know, could you give some examples? Sure. I'm a big fan of Zapier. <laughs> I love to see how you can get other platforms working with one another to trigger different events. I've seen creative uses of you know, our platform, we're client success. So, you know, we've got automation built into our solution. Our customers are getting really creative about how they're introducing that into their workflows. Customers uh, often have marketing solutions, right? It doesn't need to be within the customer experience team's tech stack, right? Go audit all of the tools that you guys have in your company. What does it cost to give another license? I'm sure that that's less than hiring another person. (laughs) We've seen creative use cases with how do you leverage your your marketing and email automation? How do you leverage survey tools, right? Folks are using things like Qualtrics or Delighted or other things to, to manage voice of customer programs. Think about how do you embed more feedback loops into your program. So that way you can iterate, you can make changes and you can intervene when it's appropriate. More thoughtful use of data, right? And different triggers and different events. So I think there's a lot of technology out there that is used as intended. What I'm seeing people do right now is use the technology they have in very creative ways, um, in ways that even the companies themselves hadn't thought could be possible or would be valuable. And I think that's what we're all being forced to do right now because even procuring new technology is not going to be easy, right? Nobody's got budget. CFOs are like, no, deny, cut, push it off, right? And that's our reality. So one of the one of my favorite exercises I've had other folks do is like, go to your CTO, your, your IT person, but what are all the tools that you all have access to today? What has everyone bought? And then think through, okay, well, of the software that's available in our company, we've already got it procured. We already have licenses. What can we do with these, right? How can I use this to help me? And I'll tell you, like, once you start getting people to, like, you force the hand of creativity, you'd be so impressed what people are doing these days. That's such a good point. I know there's always there's always a, a bucket list of tools and tools and tools, and probably only a tenth of them are being used by most organizations. Right, right. And if it's already in your business, you've already got, it's already being paid for. I guarantee you, all of your technology, you probably have one or two, at least, unused licenses, right? Licenses you're already paying for that nobody's using today. Go pick one up, go check out the tool, go see if it's something that can be useful. No, it's kind of outside of client success. You know, you keep yourself very busy. You know, you're the founding member of several successful CS communities like CS Angels, CS Ladies, and gain growth retain. You know, can you tell us a little bit about what, what's the motivation behind creating some of those communities? Absolutely. I will say the the kind of impetus for a lot of this stuff is probably the pandemic, if we're being honest. Once people stopped getting together in person, everyone really tried to figure out how do we bring, how do we still feel connected to our community? And it's something that's really interesting about customer success that I hear from marketing, sales, finance, product people. The customer success community really does I think a great job of selfless sharing, as I was describing it, right? Like everyone is willing to give and share, whether it's expertise or deck templates, right? Like everyone wants everyone else to be better, more thoughtful and more successful. And so there is this innate need for us to feel connected to one another and to feel like we're giving back. So a lot of these communities, specifically like Game Grow Retain, actually was built during the pandemic. As a result of that, started off as a small initiative to bring the community together and is now one of the largest customer success communities out there um, with over, I think it's over 6,000 members and an active daily participation, lots of even events, both virtual and in-person now at this point. So a lot of growth there. CS Angel, this is a really interesting, it's a new initiative. It's about funding and actually serving as a funding resource for technology companies that are in the CX space. And so how do we 
as CS professionals, kind of fund our own industry and the technologies that power all of us. And then CS ladies, uh, you know, obviously there's there's always going to be a niche for everything, right? I think there's another group called Success in Black, focuses on the Black community, which is wonderful. And I love the work that they're doing. I've had the privilege of partnering with them on some really cool initiatives. CS Ladies was one that was built to bring the females in the customer success community together. So there are a ton of these wonderful, wonderful initiatives that have been started. Like I said, a lot of them came out of the pandemic, but are thriving now still because there is still a heavy, you know, remote workforce out there and people still really wanting to continue to learn and grow. No, that's really interesting. And it sounds really, really cool. But how would you say, what, what, what are you kind of seeing as adjustment over the last, obviously the pandemic? Where, whereas where a lot of these amazing things were born, what are you kind of seeing as kind of the, the trend now? We're out of the pandemic. A lot of people are going back into office. Like, what are you kind of seeing as the norm? The norm in terms of the community or the norm in terms of like work? Well, both actually. But yeah, how the communities are adapting and how kind of people in theater are adapting in general. Okay, if I'm honest, I will say virtual communities probably have, I wouldn't say that they've peaked, but they're definitely, you know, this the sizzles, kind of going out a little bit. People are busy, right? A lot of folks are back to work. I think during the pandemic, right, you had people on furlough who were paused uh, in work, right? And so like they weren't working every day, wanted to still feel connected, wanted to still feel like they were giving value, getting value. So the communities at that point were were at an all-time high. Totally active participation from everybody. I think over the years that has normalized itself to probably where it will sustain now, which is maybe you've got members who are part of the communities. They're not actively daily in them. Uh, I think even LinkedIn has like normalized a little bit in terms of the volume of content that people feel the need to contribute daily. And so I think we're in a, in a safe place to say that like, you know, it, it's died down a little bit. A lot of these organizations have continued to try to do virtual events, but like I said, many are trying to also now do in-person where that makes sense. And it's, it's possible because now that people are back to meeting in person, people want to feel reconnected and, and have those conversations. I think there's something to be said about the value of those in-person events. So I think that there's still probably a bit of an evolution that all of these smaller entities need to take, but most of these communities are no one's primary responsibility, right? All these communities were built by somebody or some buddies that all have full-time jobs doing something else. And so it's really hard to make these a full priority and invest the resources to evolve and kind of continue to grow when just, I think they're, they're lacking funding and resources. Can I make some, I'm sure as part of, as part of the communities, you know, you're in touch with a lot of people. Now, what, what would you say is kind of the most common challenge that you're seeing right now? Employment. Yeah. The biggest challenge right now, I mean, I, you know, I'm fortunate to have a great reach uh, via my social network on LinkedIn. And every single day, I am getting countless messages on LinkedIn about people who have lost jobs, who are struggling to find jobs, who are trying to break into customer success because they lost another job. It's, um, it's a really tough time for professionals in our market. And so that is that I don't think there's anything that should be more top of mind than that. And And what advice, you know, you know, imagine you're listening to this podcast and you are, you have sadly, you know, find yourself out of a job in the world of CS. Like what advice would you, would you give somebody listening? Uh, I don't think there's any advice that's going to change some folks' positions, right? Like you've got people that are trying to pay mortgages and, and trying to just pay the bills, keep the lights on. And 
you know, they don't really care what I have to say, but what I, any advice I could offer, right, is to try not to lose hope, right? This too shall pass mentality, I think is important. It's really hard to get lost uh, when your identity is tied to a company or to a role, or you feel like you lack purpose now because you lack the ability to bring in an income or have a job that keeps you busy. So for me, I think the big piece of advice is don't lose hope. Things will turn around. If you are somebody who has this mindset of a continued learner, I would continue to advise you to like, Stay active in the communities. That is how you're going to find your next thing. It's not going to be through applying through a job on LinkedIn. It's going to be through somebody who recommends you. And so building your network right now, continuing to nurture a, a network that you've already built is probably going to be the most advantageous advice I can give you right now is, is continue to nurture, build the relationships, and, and hopefully something will come along. And out of the communities that maybe you're creating, you know, people listening in, where would you say would be the best resource for them to go if they wanted to network and, and, and help to grow that network? I think that Gain, Grow, Retain, just that it's the most robust, is probably going to be your best bet to start. I think also for folks that are early in their customer success career and folks that are looking to break into customer success, it does the great, I think the best job of all of the networks in terms of educating and enabling you and providing you with resources to help you learn and grow in this profession. So I would say that's probably a great resource. Listen, don't underestimate the power of LinkedIn. You don't need to be affiliated with all of these communities to get value. Follow the hashtag customer success or hashtag customer experience, and your your feed will be littered with people and content that will continue to help you. And, you know, honestly, just engage those people. If folks are talking about customer success topics, customer experience topics, go engage with that content. That's how you're going to start to build those virtual relationships. No, I, I love that. And LinkedIn is such a, you know, some people... Some LinkedIn drives some people mad, but it's such a... It's, it's a love-hate relationship for most of us. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. So looking to the future a little bit, you know, what 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 do you think will be kind of the fastest growing trend that will happen this year? I think a big focus, obviously, just because innately we need to, is going to be figuring out how to scale. And scale is going to look different now than before, because again, many companies are doing with less, less resources, human capital, less funding, less technology. So it's not about, and I said this earlier, it's not about doing more with less. It's doing something different. You will probably see um, organizations really start to rely heavily on communities to help with that scaling function. Um, it's something that we're doing here at Client Success. It's a really big initiative for us. We are moving to a community-led engagement model, which will enable our customers to engage with their peers, to engage with other thought leaders in our business. And so bringing them together with more meaningful resources, on-demand, things that they can leverage asynchronously as opposed to relying solely on one-to-one -one connections, we think is going to be the future to how we can continue to grow at scale. Um, that's only one way, right? Like I said, you're going to see a ton of new innovative and creative things, whether people are using new AI tools. Uh, I know that that's, that is a hot topic right now. Um, we'll probably continue to see growth in machine learning and how we're using that. The importance of data and then tools and systems that can support automation will be critical to our success. But that is going to be the core, I think, focus for right now is going to be to continue to figure out how do we scale this. And, and Christy, what would you say if we're looking much more into the future and thinking like 10 years into the future, what might be, you know, something that in the world of CS you think might become a trend that maybe someone hadn't thought of before? Oh, I don't think that I'm creative enough to think about something that somebody hasn't thought of before. But the thing that gets me the most excited is organizations that are truly customer centric, meaning that 
the entire organization is solely accountable for the customer, right? Like I said earlier, you have a customer success team that is a conduit to certain activities that drive certain outcomes. But at the end of the day, your customers can't be successful if they are not sold the proper the proper vision. Uh, they cannot be successful if they're not getting the proper content uh, and, and knowledge, right? They're not successful if the product doesn't do what they need to do, if it doesn't innovate and grow the way they need it to grow to solve their problems over time, that takes a company, right? That doesn't take a team. It doesn't take an individual. And so I think that the future of this will be organizations that can see that vision and rally around that. And it's not just compensation and it's not just creating, you know, uh, KPIs and, and doing goals every quarter. Like it, that's not what this is about. This is like true ownership and accountability around these outcomes. And I think companies that do rally around that is the vision and their operating model will be the ones that will successfully thrive. Interesting. Christia, there, you know, we're thinking about kind of customer centric and being really kind of being being obsessive almost about the customer. You know, the other if you had to pick out one brand that immediately springs to mind in that space that you maybe would use as kind of a beacon, what, who would you say it might be? All right. So I've used this example a lot and I have to use this for myself. Like, listen, I could say the easy one and say like Apple. I will not say Amazon because they have been charging my credit card for subscriptions. I have not been subscribing to. So we're not saying Amazon right now because I'm a little mad at them. One of the brands that my husband and I really really love, Best Buy. And I know that they're not a global company, but they are basically like an electronic technology appliance, like kind of store. We have like their their um, Geek Squad package. So we like pay for like their subscription that we pay for annually. We get the best service. We never have an issue. They always make things right. I We feel like a valued customer of their brand and their business. And so it's not SaaS, but from a business standpoint, like that is a company that will continue to get our money. Uh, no questions asked. And that's rare. Okay. Very cool. No, I, like, I like that. No one, no one's ever said Best Buy before. So. Nobody, of course, because yeah. nobody's thinking that we buy a lot of appliances. Everything breaks at our house for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Christy, so as we come to a conclusion, maybe last question from you today. You know, if you were thinking about kind of the early part of your career, maybe what advice would you give to others, maybe listening in who are just starting out, maybe just graduated and thinking about going down the path of a, of a, of a career in CX? Take more chances. I will tell you, I played it safe for a very long time because I felt like I needed to know my place. I felt like because I was inexperienced, what I said didn't matter. My thoughts didn't matter, that I didn't bring value because I lacked experience. If I can go back 10, 20 years ago, I would have taken more chances, challenged more people, asked more questions. I felt that as a young professional, being quiet was my role. I should be listening and doing as opposed to asking and kind of pushing. And I think for everybody who's out there, like we'll only grow as much as we are challenged to do so. So if you are a young professional out there, know that your voice matters and you can grow with your organization and you are not any less valuable than the most tenured person on your team. That's a great way to end this episode. Christy, thanks so much for coming on. It's been amazing having you. It's been a really interesting discussion. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. I've really enjoyed it. The e-commerce customer experience podcast is brought to you by Digital Genius. Digital Genius uses cutting-edge AI technology to streamline response times for support tickets. The platform allows for flexible integration into your existing systems and control over your processes, while significantly improving key performance metrics. 
To find out more about Digital Genius and how our intuitive platform combines AI, integrations and workflows to make your customers, team and mailbox happy, head to digitalgenius.com. Also, make sure to search for e-commerce customer experience in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Digital Genius, thank you for listening.